Hey, Mike here. Real quick before the episode starts, uh, we want to let you know that in this episode, we do talk about a miscarriage. It is in the last piece of the episode um, when we start talking about Henry Ford Hospital. Uh, So just so you know, if you want to skip that part or skip the whole episode, we totally understand it can be tough. So we love you guys, and we'll catch you next time. Hey, welcome to Halfway Dozen, a halfway decent podcast about art history. I am Mike. And I'm Sarah. And we are coming to you live from the past at Magpie Studios. From the past? Well, I mean, when they're listening to this, it's the past. Sure, sure. I guess in the way that, you know, all photographs are you of (laughs) you when you were younger. It's true. It's a true (laughs) statement. It's a... Even, Mitch Hedberg joke. It's even more true about paintings. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is nothing. Uh, well, we are back. It's been a bit. Sorry. Hopefully remember how to do this. Yeah. It's uh, yet to be seen. So what do we got going on today? Well, um, I thought we would learn a little bit about Frida Kahlo. Sure. That sounds fun. What do you know, Mike, about Frida Kahlo? Only thing I know, mm-hmm. and it is, I know it sounds awful, is the painting of the unibrow. Yeah. And that's all I know. Yeah. That's okay. I think that's what a lot of people know, is that she's a lady with a unibrow. Did you, it, wait, did you know that was a self-portrait, that that was um, of her? No. Oh, okay. Well, now you know. Now I know. So not only did she paint a unibrow, had a unibrow. Had a unibrow. Yep. Good for her. Yeah, that's a good starting point. All right. All right, let's dig in. Let's go. All right. So she was born in Mexico in 1907. And when she was six years old, she contracted polio. And she was bedridden for nine months. And um, it actually left, I don't I don't know exactly what they had to do, I guess just because it affects the legs. Um, but it, she ended up with her right leg was slightly shorter than her left leg so you could kind of notice that as she walked and stuff she was physically behind her peers uh, but her father encouraged her to wrestle and swim and box and do kind of anything that the boys would do just because he didn't want her to fall behind and and if she would just you know sit on the sidelines with the girls she you know he didn't he didn't want her to sort of atrophy so he's like Hey, I know you have a little bit of a limp, but maybe ostracize yourself more and just hang out with the boys. Well, I mean, maybe, but he just wanted her to, like, push herself. Right, which is good, but also tough for a kid. Also, real quick, um, this would be our little time to say we are pro-vaccines. Correct. And vaccines are the reason we don't have to worry about polio anymore. Hey, what do you know? So, get... Get vaccinated. Yep, they are. I mean, yeah, we'll just leave it at that. Just get vaccinated. Yeah. Talk to a doctor, at least. Yeah. Um, so when she was a student in school, um, there was an artist. His name was Diego Rivera, and he was painting a mural at her school. And he was, 
I think she was maybe like middle school, high school at the time. Um, but she was, he was 20 years older than her at the time. And, um, she and her friends used to like taunt him and flirt with him, whatever. And she told one of her friends, uh, I'm going to marry him someday. And that actually happened in 1929. Wow. But that's getting a little bit ahead of ourselves sure um when she so I, many questions i have right now it's okay we'll get there um i believe it was when she was 18 she was in an accident um she was on a bus and it collided with a trolley Jeez. so um it i don't mean to be graphic or anything but uh it was pretty traumatic um, so the accident tore her clothes off and a, get ready, if you're squeamish, maybe fast forward a few seconds, uh, a handrail from the bus impaled her. It went through her left hip and went out her vagina. So, wow. as you can imagine, that did a lot of damage. So far, this story doesn't seem real. Yeah, it's wild. Um, so she was in the hospital for three months in a body cast. She had injuries to her spine, back, right foot, right leg, um, and suffered some fungal diseases. She had fractures to her third and fourth lumbar vertebrae, three fractures of her pelvis, 11 fractures of her right foot, and a dislocated left elbow. And, um, as you can imagine, a lot of these impairments, um, lasted the rest of her life just i have no words for what her life has been in the first 18 years right dang yeah so part of this is that she didn't well, have another choice but to become an artist i mean a little bit because <laughs> because she was laid up for so long um, her parents, in actually a really cool move, um, had a mirror installed above her hospital bed and had this um, easel custom made to fit over her bed so that she could paint herself, you know, look up and see herself and paint while she recuperated. You know, say what you want about um, the time. She seems like she had kind of progressive parents who are like trying to help her the best like you got polo 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 <laughs> marco yeah it's fine it's been a while uh i forget how since talk. you talked yes <laughs> had polio and now one leg shorter but we're going to encourage you the best we can to do the best and then yeah. this it's like i don't know we'll put an easel in a mirror give you something to do right that's pretty cool yeah so, I mean, she was already an artist before. As she was growing up, um, took some different art lessons, and, and she already showed some proclivity to art. So getting this easel and everything when she was sick, um, or when she was recuperating, it, it wasn't like it was like, and now here's some paint. See what you can do with it. I mean, she already had some, so it was like some her, ability. Her parents were like, we know you like this kind of thing. Maybe here's right. something to at least keep you busy and occupied while you're stuck in bed in a full body cast. Right. So um, she and Diego 
uh, got married when she was 22 and he was 42. So did they just keep in contact or? Yeah, I think so. That's not questionable. Um, yeah, well, it was a lot. Um, they had a very tumultuous relationship, which might not shock a lot of people that, uh, a 20 year difference might be a big deal um they uh they used they would break up and get back together multiple times there were affairs on both sides um but this is a quote it's it's a little bit of a long one but um i read somewhere it said the singular consistent joy in her life was diego rivera her husband her frog prince side note he kind of looks like a frog he's kind of like big and has bulging eyes fun yeah her fragments a fat communist with bulging eyes wild hair and the reputation of a lady killer she endured his infidelities encountered with affairs of her own on three continents consorting with both strong men and desirable women in the end diego and frida always came back to each other like two wounded animals ripped apart with their art and politics and volcanic temperaments and held together with the tenuous red ribbon of their love i we haven't even gotten to her like paintings yet this is just she lived a life yeah there is so much to unpack Mm mm-hmm we should. Uh, do you want to start looking at the first piece uh, boy, that we're going to look sure. at? Okay. So the first one um, that we're going to look at is called the Two Fridas. Um, if you want to Google along with us or check out, I'm sure we'll put it up on Instagram. Um, but you can see it's a dual self-portrait. Uh, two of her, one in a white dress and one in a blue dress. Um, the Frida on the left is wearing a Victorian-style lace wedding dress, and the one on the right is wearing a Tijuana costume worn by the Oaxaca women of Mexico. So it was like a um, a customary, traditional costume of um, the this particular area of Mexico, um, and it. I read somewhere that that would have been like a political statement because apparently that area is a matriarchal society. So it was kind of like a political statement for her to say like, this is, is me. Um, and it's, I read that she began wearing the clothing of the indigenous, indi- excuse me, indigenous people uh, on her wedding day back in 29. So is she from there or just? I think so. Okay. I think so. So she wasn't just like co-opting another culture. This was no, her culture. No. Correct. And kind of the the, the uh, combination of the Victorian where she kind of was. Oh, never mind. Go on. Just you wait. Um, okay. So um, the one on the right is holding an amulet with, if you, well, I don't know that this image you can actually zoom in on but if you zoom in really close it's actually a tiny portrait of diego as a boy and um that was an actual possession that she had and that connects to an artery that wraps around her arm and connects to the right exposed heart um and that 
connects to the left Frida's heart, uh, which she is unsuccessfully trying to stop the bleeding. And you can see that the, the drips of blood actually imitate the pattern at the bottom of her skirt. Uh, for those of you who haven't Googled this picture, it is, on first glance, two Fridas in two different dresses, and then you realize that their hearts are exposed and tied together, and it gets kind of wild as you start to look at it. Yeah, um, so the exposed heart is actually a symbol in both the Aztec culture and in Christian art. Um, in Aztecs, I think it, it was like a symbol of power if i'm remembering correctly um and then i mean i'm sure you've seen in christian iconography especially catholic iconography the, the heart um a lot of times i don't know what like sect or organization or exactly it is but i've seen like growing up catholic uh like a, a heart with like a crown of thorns around it Sure. Um, is kind of a, a symbol. Okay. Um, and so uh, that kind of played a part in there too. She said that the Frida on the right was the one Diego had loved, and the one on the left, the one in the wedding dress, was the one he no longer loved. So what happened was um, she was painting. This is not her first painting or anything, but... Um, Breton, who, if you remember, was kind of the founder of surrealism. Okay. Mike, do you remember what surrealism is? Yeah, but why don't you remind our okay. audience? <laughs> the surrealists were trying to tap into, like, the subconscious or unconscious mind, right? Like, tapping into dreams, putting yourself into, like, a dazed, dream-like state, and that produces creativity. Which we were talking about. Um, not Van Gogh. What is uh, mm -hmm. Pablo Picasso? No. Dolly. Dolly. Dang it. Dolly. It's okay. This is what happens when you don't record in a month and a half. I know. You I know. It's everything. it's confusing. Um, and so Breton found her art and thought like, aha, a surrealist. Um, but Frida always said that she was not a surrealist. She said, I never painted dreams. I painted my own reality. Ooh. So. Um, you know, some there's some argument there, I guess, sure. if she said, I'm not a surrealist, um, but her paintings are sort of surreal, so um, I don't know don't, uh, how you want to take that, but... Don't surrealism, doesn't surrealism tend to be a little more uh, not so realistic? Well, usually... Maybe I'm just thinking of Dolly and his bizarreness. Usually it's like as if it could be real, it's painted sort of realistically but it's um sort of heightened in a way that makes it not able to be real so, so like it's an accurate self-portrait but there's no way for there to be two of the same person and they have these exposed hearts like that's not like a real yeah. quote-unquote realistic painting but it is real. Not that you know of, just because you haven't seen it. Sure. Is there? Did she give a reason for why the two hearts are kind of different from each other? Um, well, I think it, I think it goes back to that description that the one on the right was the one that he had loved, and the one in, in the wedding dress, the one that's like ragged and kind of more worn, is the one that he no longer loved. 
I see. Interesting. Um, <clears throat> so um, what happened was, like I said, Breton, the founder of the Surrealist Movement, traveled to Mexico, discovered Frida's art, um, and he actually got her her first uh, solo exhibition in the U.S., and it was held in New York City. And she uh, went to Paris after that show, and when she came back, she asked for a divorce. And it was right after that that she painted this. Oh, wow. What she said about the painting was um, that it was, quote, nothing but the representation of my loneliness. What I mean to say is I resorted to myself. I sought my own help. Hmm. Well, that's um, dark. Yeah. But, well, not a whole lot different from the rest of her life where she's been kind of, I mean, didn't seem like she had a bunch of people besides her family around her. Yeah. So she's always kind of been like that. Well, um, I also have some bad news. Oh, cool. Great. It's, um, it's not going to get a lot brighter. Oh, fun. Oh boy. Let's, (laughs) let's go to the next one. Okay, um, so I don't have a whole whole lot of information about this one, but this one is called The Broken Column. Um, and so as you Google along with us, you'll see um, it's another portrait of Frida, um, but her uh, sort of chest is <laughs> kind of split open and there's an actual like architectural column in the center of it. Um, and she's also wearing a back brace or corset around her, um, which is something that she actually had to wear a lot after her accident. accident. Um, So this was painted in 1944. Um, It's about uh, a little over 15 inches by 12 inches, so not that big. And it was painted after one of many of her spinal surgeries. So the broken column is literally her broken spinal column. Um, And she for basically the rest of her life had to wear some sort of steel or plaster back brace or corset um so that is reflected there um there are also if you look closely nails all over her and so that was a catholic symbol of martyrdom um and there are larger nails over her heart um, and those may have may reflect her broken relationship with Diego. Mm. There's behind her is kind of a cracked and broken, barren landscape, and um, it was uh, symbolic of her isolation. And the the landscape sort of mirrors her broken torso. Um, and then finally she. Uh, though she is, um, she's crying in the picture, um, her face looks forward, showing that she is strong and defiant. It's very surreal painting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you said, because this definitely goes back to being a very surrealist kind of painting. Mm-hmm. What did she consider herself? Just a painter? Artist? Uh, I don't know. I didn't read anything about like what she... Other than the time she said, I'm not a surrealist. Right. Like, I, I don't know that she said, I'm not a surrealist. I'm a blank. Yeah. Um, but she just... I think basically she was just insisting that these are not dreams. It's like how she sees her reality. Yeah. Sad. It is. 
Cool. I guess All it's right. time to move on to the next heartbreaking self-portrait. Yeah, this last one is the hardest one. Fun. Are you ready? Hold on. Let me get a drink. <clears throat> Jeez. <laughs> I'm not laughing at the portrait. I'm laughing at your reaction. Go ahead and Google this next one. It's a doozy. Okay. So um, if you do Google it, you're going to want to also put in Frida's name. I mean, you can just do Frida, F-R-I-D-A. Um, but it's called uh, Henry Ford Hospital. So this was painted on July 4th of 1932. And I don't, I guess I didn't dig deep enough to find out why, but she was in Detroit and experienced a miscarriage. The doctor recommended long periods of bed rest to help the pregnancy go to term, but her body couldn't manage. And so she had to go to the hospital and her that she had to she ended up having to have an abortion because her i mean the the fetus wouldn't have made it and she, her body was not able to handle an actual birth did that stem from the accident or do they not really i mean i i don't know that they know for sure, yeah, sure. but um that's kind of what this is a painting of there are six elements um, that are attached to her hand like umbilical cords. There's a snail, which is supposed to symbolize the slowness of the abortion. There's a male fetus, which was the baby. She actually, this is kind of disturbing, because she was obviously, as you can imagine, depressed and had a lot of hormones happening and all these kinds of things as one would after a miscarriage and it was a couple days later and she asked to see the fetus and understandably the hospital wouldn't let her but Diego had some drawings that he'd done and between that and Jeez. like some medical illustrations she drew this was it Diego's child then mm -hmm. okay yeah well I assume supposedly uh, so the, those two, um, there is an orchid, and that was not only given to her from Diego, but it's also kind of a symbol of the uterus. Yeah, makes um, sense. There's a model of the female reproductive system and a spinal column, um, which kind of is assumed her way of connecting the skeletal problems that she had with her reproductive problems. Yeah. And then there's a machine, which I was trying to read and trying to figure out what it was. Everything that I ever read, it just said a machine. Um, so I don't know what exactly the machine is, if that was an actual something like in her hospital room or something. But I read somewhere it said, I don't, I can't remember now if this was her quote or someone else's, but said it was the quote unquote mechanical part of the whole process. So I guess just kind of like that sterile yeah. hospital kind whether of feeling. Or not, whether or not she actually experienced a machine like that, it's the feeling that is associated with the whole process. Right. Um, and so then the other thing is a, a pelvic bone. So sure. that's yeah. kind of on the nose. Yeah. Um, because hers was shattered basically in the accident. It was interesting with that 
uh, everything else kind of makes sense. Mm-hmm. The snail really threw me the first time I saw that. But, yeah, uh, it's kind of disturbing looking. Yeah. Also, um, it's a snail. It's unsettling. Bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's meant to be. Sure. Well, she, she succeeded in that. Right. Um, you can also see, um, if you didn't notice already, the Henry Ford motor plant, plant in yeah. the background. Yeah. And this piece, um, I guess she did a few of them, but this was, I think, the first one that she did. She actually painted it on a metal sheet, and it was sort of imitating um, the Mexican votive tablets. Interesting. From the Catholic tradition. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so uh, well, those are the pieces. For joining us on this. Wait, no, 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 no. Wait, I, I have more. Okay. It gets slightly better. I hope so. Okay. So, um, I mean, it's going to get worse before it gets better. Mm. Just as a warning. Great. Yep. <laughs> Just as a warning. See you guys back here next time. It will get better. Okay, so in 1950, Frida spent most of the year in a hospital and had to have bone graft surgery on her spine. That's awful. Doesn't that just, like, kind of give you the cringes? Well, not only that. um, I've had small amounts of medical training, uh, enough to know that that is a horrifically painful thing as well, I believe. Yeah. Um, so she had this surgery and it caused an infection, which required additional surgeries. Um, and during this time, she also dedicated her time to political causes to the extent that her health allowed her to. So she was a member of the Mexican Communist Party and campaigned for peace. So... We don't have to get into all the politics of Mexico, but that's um, part of what she was doing. Um, In 1953, her right leg was amputated at the knee because of gangrene. She suffered from anxiety and depression, and she had an increasingly increasing dependence on painkillers. That's not great. Right. Uh, Diego began having another affair, and Frida attempted suicide by overdose. Um, in her last days, Frida was mostly bedridden, um, and she had bronchopneumonia, though she participated just a few days before in a protest against the CIA invasion of Guatemala. Um, but she did sort of seem to anticipate her death in a way. Uh, her final drawings were of angels and skeletons, and then the very last piece that she ever did was a black angel accompanied by the words I joyfully await the exit and hope never to return so on July 12th 1954 she had a high fever and was in extreme pain and at 6 a.m on July 13th her nurse found her dead at 47 years old wow The official cause of death was pulmonary embolism, but no autopsy was performed, so a lot of people have suggested that she committed suicide, and her nurse actually counted her pills and confirmed that she took an overdose. You were only supposed to take seven, and she took 11. Um, And another thing that kind of confirms that, or uh, goes to that theory, um, she also gave 
Diego an anniversary present a month early. So, um... And it gets better when? Just, it will. Is it going to get worse again? No. Oh, jeez. No, no. Oh, no, I don't think so. Um, so, Diego, um, he ended up dying just three years later, which is kind of crazy. But how he would that... have been 70? So, more of a normal time to die. Yeah, but still, I mean, 70 is not like... Oh, you're right. It's, it's kind not of old, the old. young side of dying of old age. You're right. I don't know actually what he died of. Um, but so her home was called La Casa Azul. Michael, can you translate that? Uh, blue House. That's correct. Thank Good you. job. My, Spanish 101. <laughs> my two years of Spanish in high school really correct. paying off. So um, she spent most of her life there um, and they actually turned it into a museum in 1958. Um, and for a large, I, I would say probably most of her life and up until the seventies, she was mostly considered to be like the wife of the artist Diego Rivera rather mm. than an artist in her, her own, own right. Yeah. Wow. Um, but, um, feminist scholars in the seventies began to question the exclusion of females and non-Western artists from art history yeah. canon. Uh, as we've talked about, you know, there's a lot of old white men that, no, <laughs> that are traditionally taught in art history. Right. Um, and so the Chicano movement elevated her as one of their icons. And then so by eight, sorry, 1984, her reputation had grown and Mexico kind of declared her art part of the natural cultural heritage um, which means that her art can't be exported. Wow, that's, a, that's pretty cool. It is cool, um, it, but it also means that it's very rare to see her art at international auctions or retrospectives yeah. because they kind of held it close to the chest. Does that mean you're not going to see it in like museums internationally as well? You know, I don't know how much was sold initially. Before. Yeah. Um, I don't know how much I would imagine probably either MoMA or um, the Met. Probably MoMA has some of hers, but I'm not 100% sure. Yeah, it'd be interesting. Um, In 1990, she became the first Latin American artist to break the $1 million threshold for her art. Um, And it kind of that, that moment where she, you know, had this piece sell for that much money kind of attracted a lot of interest and so much so that the term freedom mania was coined Mm. and today uh she is one of the most instantly recognizable artists i mean like you mentioned i know although i guess you didn't know that it was her um most people would see you know an image like that with the unibrow no frida frida yeah um, in 2002, there was a Selma Hayek movie about her life, and you may have seen her likeness in the 2017 uh, Pixar movie, Coco. That's your uh, your last slide there, Mike. Um, oh, she oh, she yeah. was featured uh, a little bit in there. That's um, a cool tribute. I mean, you know, the movie Coco is uh, of Mexican 
uh, or, you know, that whole tradition. Right. And so to pay homage to her like that is pretty cool. Yeah. And she has, um, especially recently, um, become kind of an icon for minority groups, especially feminists and those in the LGBTQ community because she had boyfriends and girlfriends yeah. throughout yeah. her life. Well, so I guess uh, her life was incredibly tragic, but yeah. she is uh, held up and remembered in high esteem by many people, which is pretty right. cool. I know. It's sad how many artists... Um, you know, people say the phrase, like, they were ahead of their time. And it's like, it's so sad that they weren't recognized while they were alive for sure. the amazing art that they were doing. Yeah. And that they couldn't see the fruit of that labor. Well, it's, I mean, I think that kind of goes with uh, any artist that is pushing the boundaries or pushing art forward. Yeah. Uh, their likeliness to be recognized in their time is probably a lot lower than those who are following the trends that are already there. Sure, yeah, and especially the ones that are, you know, yeah, like you said, starting the movement. Yeah. It's easier to look back and say, like, oh, that's where we started than yeah. to recognize it as a new movement as it's happening. Well, um, I appreciate you at least trying to end it on a positive note. You know, I mean, I don't want to not cover her art just it's, because it's, it's such really a sad important. story. Exactly. Right. It's important. And I think, I mean, like we talked about, she's easily recognizable. So, and, you know, on a sort of selfish note, the more ladies I can get in here on this podcast, the better. I support this. Yeah. Uh, so. I, I guess next time there's, you know, really depressing artists, if you let me know ahead of time, I can try to work in some more fart jokes or something. <laughs> Really try to lighten the mood or... Is that what we need? Fart jokes? Maybe. <laughs> Sorry, folks. I'll, I'll try and pick a happier topic for next time. No, I mean, that's, that's part of what art is. Um, our job? It's not a job we're doing this because we're <laughs> bored. Uh, our, our hobby is to inform people and uh, introduce them at a dummy level like mine to some artists and hopefully get people interested and along the way if i make a couple jokes or you make a couple jokes yeah you know it's what it is sure. um thanks for joining us for yet another episode of halfway docent i would say hopefully the next one's here sooner but it's hard to say it just is um but hopefully we'll be back before too long mm -hmm. i know the fans out there are screaming for more <laughs> so we hear all four of you <laughs> Um, okay, so Michael, here's a thing that we promised people that we did not deliver on. And that was a list of museums that had virtual tours oops. for the corona times. Correct. Um, Good news but is we're still in the corona times. This is true. Sadly. That's true. That hasn't changed. Um, but rather than maybe giving a blanket list, I will say that I know for sure uh, the Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York a has one. a virtual tour. Um, and I personally appreciate the kind where it actually feels like walking through the halls of the museum. Um, and that's how theirs is set up. You kind of click the directional arrows to indicate where you want to walk. And then Scurry you can kind of focus on whatever 
pieces you want to. I, I don't think it's the whole museum, um, but there's a lot of it there. So yeah. I would encourage if you are interested in that kind of thing, um, that would be one to check out. And not to break the fourth wall, but the good thing about that is no one can sit on the freaking art if it's virtual. Oofy doofy. Yeah. Can, maybe, Michael, do you think we maybe need to change the tagline of this? And um, instead of saying, you know, it's just art? Because it's, I mean, it is just art, but also do not touch the art. And remember, don't touch the freaking art. Don't touch it. Unless the artist himself invites you. Right. There there was the time in Asheville. Mm-hmm. There's a, uh, a painter who has a couple different studios in Asheville. And if he is there, he will tell you to touch the art. He uses, it's an acrylic? Um, I think it's oil. Or maybe it is oil-based. I don't remember. But he uses a really high quality and he wants people to touch it. He invites people to touch it. It's, it's really, very really textured cool. and you want to touch it. But that is the only exception. And when, if you were in a museum... Don't touch the sculptures. Just because you can reach them doesn't mean you should touch them. We should go. Don't reach. Don't touch the paintings. <laughs> don't. Just don't touch don't. stuff. Just don't. Yeah. Just don't do that. Just don't. Because if you touch it, and then a hundred thousand other people touch it, it's gonna get gross and it's gonna get broken. And if you if you don't know what we're referencing, there is a uh, story we posted on our Insta stories. Uh, today where some doofus posed next to a statue and broke the toe off of it well didn't pose next to it posed on it correct broke the toes off don't touch the art sorry not only was it it was 19th century art yeah don't touch the freaking art don't touch the art okay i think we've reiterated that point enough i feel like our people know that they're not supposed to touch the art we've come we have two points or a couple points, I guess, from today's lesson. Yeah. Uh, Frida had a tragic life. Yeah. Go get vaccines if you can. Yeah. Don't touch the freaking art. Don't touch the art. Okay. Well, uh, we hope you're all staying safe out there. And, uh, oh, hey, thank you to My Girl, My Whiskey, and Me for the music at the beginning and the end. Yes. What you have heard and will hear after you hear our dulcet tones. Um, <laughs> check them out all over social media they've been still doing a bunch of live shows on facebook live check them out um we we think they're great go support them if you can yes please and uh man i think that's it check us out on the social medias not on facebook but the rest of them at halfway docent i mean Um, mostly instagram yeah we have a twitter but who uses that i'm not i used to oh cool uh we post stuff there sometimes occasionally uh, do you want your own personal handle out there? No. All right. Perfect. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Well, um, yeah, we'll, we will see you next time until we do. Stay safe. Wash your hands. Wear a mask. Stay inside if you can. And uh, don't forget. It's just our yeah, yeah.